Thank you for downloading this sermon from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website at www.trinityspartanburg.com. Reading verses 1 through 16. This is the word of the Lord, it is eternally true. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. Previously, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and in. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will be a ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them before the Lord at Hebron. Then they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. Now the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land. And they said to David, you shall not come in here, but the blind and lame will turn you away, thinking David cannot enter here. Nevertheless, David captured the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. David said on that day, Whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him reach the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul through the water tunnel. Therefore they say the blind or the lame shall not come come into the house. So David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around from the Milo and inward. David became greater and greater, for the Lord God of hosts was with him. Then Hiram king of Tyre sent messengers to David with cedar trees and carpenters, and stonemasons, and they built a house for David. And David realized that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. Meanwhile, David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he came from Hebron, and more sons and daughters were born to David. Now these are the names of those who were born to him in Jerusalem. Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphalet. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would bless us as we meditate on it, as we think over it. Lord, we ask that you would uh, illumine our minds and our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. All right, so a little review at this point as we've been going through 2 Samuel chapter 5. And my intent tonight is to go through this section of 2 Samuel 5 and then give an update on the Evangel Presbytery meeting that we had um, just this past week. So some review. Uh, the main characters that we've been dealing with up to this point, the main uh, historical figures are Saul, Jonathan, Ishbosheth, and Abner. And all of those guys are dead. Um, killed in various ways, killed by one another. And Joab, though, David's commander, Joab, is still alive. David is in Hebron, and at this point, at the beginning of the chapter, he is only the, the head of one tribe, the tribe of Judah. And so um, we see in this chapter that the unification of Israel uh, takes place. So David is anointed now by tribes. He was anointed before by whom? Who anointed? Samuel, the prophet, had anointed 
um, had anointed him how long ago? It's been quite a while. It's been quite a while ago. Um, He would have been a, oh, an early teenager at about the time that he killed Goliath and was anointed by Samuel. And now he's 30 years old. And it's not until now where he is finally over all of the tribes of Israel. And uh, they, they vow to him, and, um, and he, was, uh, he was beginning to rule. He reigns for 40 years, it tells us. And for seven and a half years, he rules out of a city called Hebron. And then finally, he, uh, we learn in this, him, his uh, taking of the Jebusites, taking of Jerusalem and making that his, his capital or the capital of Israel. And uh, all of that is contained in these few chapters. Um, <clears throat> there's a pattern that takes place over the next few chapters, chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. Um, David will fight and get victory, and then he'll build. He'll fight and get victory, and then he builds. So we see in this, um, in verses uh, 6 through 10, he fights for Jerusalem, and then after that, he is building the city. So verse 9, so David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David, and David built all around from the Milo and and inward. David became greater and greater, for the Lord of hosts was with him. Um, 5.17, what we didn't read, 5.17 to 25, he fights with the Philistines, and then 6 is the building of Yahweh's house, and then um, 8, David goes into various battles, wins those, and in 8.15 to 18, um, he uh, builds the royal household. And, um, and so I think what it's telling us is that David is not just winning um, wars, he's, he, he's not just a political or a, a, um, a military ruler, but he's also somebody who's concerned about building infrastructure, he is um, concerned to build up the cities and build up the fortifications. So he's doing more than just fight, he's, he's building, he's um, building infrastructure, and um, that's... If our rulers just did that and fought our wars, we would be very happy with them, right? Just build infrastructure and fight. Keep us safe. That, that's a good, good rule for government right there. Um, <clears throat> notice the verb in, uh, let's see, where was it? Verse 2. There's a verb in there. What verb? What verb am I thinking about in my mind right now from that verse? There are only a few verbs in that verse. You should be able to pick one of them. If you're looking at the passage, my son. What's that? Shepherd. 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 Absolutely. Previously, when Saul was king over us, you were one who led Israel out and in. And the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people, Israel, and you will be a ruler over Israel. Now, this is the first time in Scripture where the, the, the king of Israel is called, or, or shepherding is, um, is used as an analogy for his um, rule. 
Lord said, you will shepherd my people, Israel, and you will be a, a ruler over Israel. So not merely a rule, ruler. He's not merely to be a ruler. He's to be a shepherd. And how does that help us? Um, how does that help us define his role? I mean, a ruler could mean a whole, a whole bunch of things from Scripture. He could be a good ruler. He could be a bad ruler. But if he's a ruler called the shepherd, what does that mean? What would we expect of a, of a shepherd ruler? He'd be caretaker. So he'd be all into Medicaid. No, you don't think so? Well, to a certain extent, I think so. Yeah, he would, he, would, it's, he would not just rule, right, but he would care for his people. Um, he would not rule in order to, um, to serve himself, but he would rule in such a way where he's serving others, right? Sh- sheep are dumb, right? Sheep are stupid animals. That's what my wife tells me. She grew up on a sheep farm. I don't have much experience with sheep, but she does, and they're dumb, um, and... We are sheep of God's flock, right? And God, I would imagine, a lot of times says, look at that foolish sheep. Stuck on its back, can't get back on its feet, right? Hey, that, that sort of rhymed. Could make that into a rap. Um, but, so, so we, he, um, he's not merely to rule in order to... Um, to build his kingdom, he's to rule in such a way that the sheep are cared for, right? He, he's going to have to um, be mindful of the people, mindful of those that he's over. And of course, what were the kings supposed to do when they started to rule? They were supposed to read the book of the law, right? All the kings had to read the book of the law to remind themselves of what God expected um, of his people. Um, I think maybe that the um, our our rulers today should have to read the Constitution before they um, begin to rule. It would be analogous to um, analogous to what was required of the kings of Israel. Um, <clears throat> what did David say about his Lord? Lord is my shepherd. And then he says, "I shall not be in want." Right? If God is your shepherd, then God is watching and caring for you, and you won't be in any want. And so if the king is to be a shepherd, the people should be blessed and should not have any want. Um, but this is the first time this is explicitly used of a leader of Israel, and of course we think, um, that we think that's fairly amazing because when we think of shepherd, the imagery of shepherd is all throughout Scripture, and then of course um, our Savior Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so we get used to this imagery, but here it's used the first time. Um, what would be different? What would be different of the way that we are ruled, the way that those who have the power of the sword over us, what would be different if they saw their role as shepherd? Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it, the, you become like what you worship, right? Yeah. And here he is shepherding them to worship the God of, of heaven. Yes, not just physical needs, but spiritual needs. So he's not just filling the, he's not just fixing the streets and filling the coffers, but he's um, leading his people in worship. He's pushing them to worship. Pretty much any president before the 20th century. Well, John Adams did, and and uh, Lincoln. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, National Days of Humiliation and Repentance. Talk about shepherding when, when, this, when this nation is being afflicted and crying out to God in repentance. That is, that's doing the work of shepherding and not necessarily doing the work of a pollster. Because the pollster would say, nah, that's negative. You probably shouldn't, probably shouldn't have a day of fasting. You know, it's not going to go well on the New York Times front page, but who cares about the New York Times, right? What would honor God? What would honor God? What else would you say? What would be different about those who rule over us if they thought of themselves as shepherds? Any other thoughts? Larry, I know you have thoughts, but you probably can't share half of them. (laughs) how you administer the sword would be different Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the the um in our basic training course, Bob Forney talks about the um, Psalm twenty three and the the shepherd's crook and and just the the utility of it and had a few examples of it and it's it's used obviously to move the sheep around and to poke and prod them, but it's also, it can be an offensive weapon to fight off the, the wolves. And so one who has in mind the protection of the sheep will know that the enemies, their enemies are to be dealt with, right? And will um, pursue them and protect the sheep. Yeah, so often the sheep are the ones that are attacked and the wolves are the ones who are encouraged and built up, and that should not be. Any other thoughts on that? Before I turn to a passage that will give you another image of this. I like that. Um, I use a spatula to simply away my own. I have no idea what you mean. I hid the wooden spoon from my mom for a long time. It was, it was underneath um, 
It was in between the mattress and the box spring. Couldn't pick that. All right. And I, I think it was both places, but it's not like there weren't other wooden spoons in the house, but yeah. Yeah. Um, turn to Ezekiel 34, and here we see what the shepherds of Israel are doing and how they're not being good shepherds. And uh, this, is a, this is an answer to my question. What would be different if we had good shepherds ruling over us? So Ezekiel 34, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity, you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become a prey. My flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their mouth so that they will not be food for them. So there you see the shepherds of Israel are doing exactly what they're not to do. They've they've been feeding themselves. They've been afflicting the sheep, and, and God is displeased with that sort of shepherding. But the king of Israel is not supposed to be that way, and King David is not supposed to be that way. He's to shepherd the flock. He is to care for them. He is not to feed himself while the flock goes hungry, right? He is to protect them. He is to uh, make sure that they have good grazing ground. He is to make sure that they, um, they uh, are free from enemies. And yet we think of the kings of Israel. We think of uh, the kings of Israel, and there are very few good shepherds among the kings of Israel. At times, God raised up a good shepherd, a good leader in Judah. But in Israel, the northern kingdom, there didn't seem to be um, many shepherds that came up um, to feed the flock. Now, so just that was me vamping on that word shepherd. I think that's important to think about. It's important to think about as a father. Are you going to be a shepherd to your family? Um, Are you going to shepherd the sheep that God has given to you? If you teach in a Sunday school class, God has given you a little flock. Are you going to be faithful to shepherd those sheep? If God has given you a home, if God has given you a church, um, wherever um, you you must uh, or you should pursue being a shepherd, living for the good of others, however stupid they might be, or especially how uh, incompetent and difficult they might be as sheep. 
Um, now, David, verse 6, now the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites. Okay, so the Jebusites are living in Jerusalem. They're in the inhabitants of the land, and David said to them, You shall not come in here but the blind and lame. They, they said to David, You shall not come in here but the blind and lame will turn you away, thinking David cannot enter here. So apparently they had built what they believed, and this is the downfall of every civilization, they believed they had built the perfect defensive wall that no one could, could come into. And um, notice what they say. They're really taunting David, and they said, you know, even the blind and lame could dispatch you guys. Even the blind and lame. And, um, but nevertheless, it goes on immediately in the next verse, David captured the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. <laughs> so he takes it, and apparently they got in through a water tunnel. Oh, they forgot to put the gate in the water tunnel, right? And so David finds this weakness, takes the city. And David said on that day, whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him reach the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul through the water tunnel. I don't think David is making a statement about he hates handicapped people. He's, he's throwing their words back in their face. So, you know, you, you said that uh, the lame and the blind could take us, but now, um, look, the lame and the blind have taken you. And uh, therefore, they say, the blind or lame shall not come into the house. So David lived, so this is David coming into Israel, this, or into Jerusalem. David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built, again, that's the pattern here, battle and building. David built all around from the Milo and inward. David became greater and greater. Why? Because the Lord of hosts was with him. Yahweh, God of armies, was with him. Right? Yahweh, God of armies, was with him. And that is the only reason that David became greater. We've already, up to this point in 2 Samuel, he's just been anointed He's just now ruling over the, the nation of Israel. But how many times have we seen David do uh, strangely sinful things, right? This is a very honest history. It's not um, recasting David as a sinless man. Um, scripture is very honest about the, the, the men of, uh, that are raised up as leaders, and they have significant flaws. And we've seen David sin and sin and sin, and yet God had raised him up, and he was the anointed of the Lord, and it was only because God was with him that he was able to accomplish anything. That is the only reason. And um, such is the case with all of us, right? If God is with us, we can expect that he will lead us onward. Not necessarily how we might like to be led forward, um, or to be sanctified, but certainly God will um, lead his children on from, from victory to victory. It's just victory clothed in disaster after disaster, right? Um, <clears throat> so, the, um, so David is uh, ruling greater and greater than Hiram, king of Tyre. Here's a, here's a man who for a long time was a... Was a um, an ally to David, the king of Tyre. 
he sends messengers to David and he sends him trees, he sends him carpenters, he sends him stonemasons, and they build a house for David, right? What a generous gift of the king of Tyre to um, bless David with this. And David realized that the Lord, isn't that strange how it says that? David realized that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. A couple things there. David realized that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. It's almost as if he's like, wow, this, you know, since, I've, since I've been in the house of Saul as a teenager playing the harp to soothe his, his um, demon possession, um, it's been a lot of trouble. It's been going from difficulty to difficulty to difficulty. And now, finally, all the tribes of Israel have, have submitted their allegiance to me, and, and I'm reigning. But you can imagine him looking back over that. And, and um, I mean, what if you had been anointed as a teenager to rule? And then you had to go through all the stuff with, with uh, Jonathan, somebody that, that has... The love to Jonathan was better than the love of a woman. And he, you know, see him die and to lose, and to lose, uh, and, and Saul to be dead and for him to lament. And then um, all the intrigues with Ishbosheth and Abner that have happened before this and the other murders and, um, and civil war. And I mean, you just, you, you go back and, and Saul, I mean, David has lived a lifetime before he's even been anointed king over all of Israel. And now he is, and so he realizes that the Lord has done this work. There are so many things along the way that could have sabotaged this. So many times that he could have died. So many times that he could have, um, he could have been taken out of the picture, and yet God had got him to this point. And so he's acknowledging his thankfulness to God. And then it says, and he, God, had exalted his, David's kingdom, for the sake of his people Israel. Notice that David is an actor on God's stage, right? God raised up David so that, that Israel would be blessed. And what does is, what is God care about? He cares about his people Israel, right? And, and he is blessing them by giving them David. Um, not that David's sins won't have an impact on the people. They will, but here he is saying that he had exalted David's kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. That's God being a good shepherd to his people. And then this. Meanwhile, that word, you always know something bad is coming after that. Meanwhile, you know, God is exalting all these things. Meanwhile, you know, the, the camera pans and the, the, the texture of the screen gets a little darker. Meanwhile, David took more... Took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he came from Hebron, and more sons and daughters were born to David. Now these are the names of those who were born to him in Jerusalem, Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Napheg, Japhia, Elishma, Eliada, Eliada, and Liphelet. And so we've, you know, that. This is the second or third time where the story is broken to speak of David taking on further wives and further concubines. And I don't think it's, it's meant, well, there, it was true that, 
the kings of that time would show their, their conquering prowess by taking wives from among the people that they just conquered, right? But David knew the law of God. And David knew that the law of God said, said one wife, one wife. You shall leave your father and mother and be joined to a wife. And so he, um, he is breaking, even as God is exalting his kingdom, he's breaking God's commands and taking to himself more concubines and wives. What's the difference between a wife and a concubine? You don't know, Thomas? What's the difference between a wife and a concubine? Why did um, Solomon have so many wives and so many concubines? Does anybody want to answer that? Who can answer that in a easy way. Esther? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, I guess, a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> uh, there's not the, um, they're not wives, right? But they are wives. I mean, they, they don't have freedom, um, but uh, it, it is a, a, a woman who is to service the king in various ways, and, um, and yet not a wife. And so you see David taking many wives and concubines, and then Solomon, his son, um, is ruled by them, right? And so the sins of the father, <coughs> excuse me, are visited upon the son. And so that's, that's our lesson from 2 Samuel chapter 5. <coughs> um, um, the last thing I'll say about that, more concubines and more wives. I think the reason Scripture puts this in here is one to remind us that all men are sinners. But the best men need the grace of God. The best men, the, the, the godliest men need the grace of God because they've sinned countless times. The best man, you know, is, is um, <clears throat> the best man is not necessarily a category we should have. The category we should have is all have sinned and but for the grace of God go I. And um, all have fallen short of the glory of God. In a sense, we... In a sense, Christians can't have heroes because everybody's just a mess of sin. Right? We can't have heroes, but, I mean, we should have heroes. God works through um, particular men, but those men are sinners, and every man or woman or child will disappoint if we make idols of them, except for one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who did not sin. So we have one hero, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And um, I think that's, again, all of, the, all of the sins of the saints that are listed in Scripture is to make a point of contrast between the sins um, of of mere men and the holiness of Jesus Christ, the one who did not sin and redeemed us from sin, that spotless Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we, we need it. We need to be reminded of what is good and true and right and beautiful from it. We need to be uh, cut by it and, and healed by it, Lord, and we thank you that you gave us this chapter to think about what it means to be a shepherd, what it means to lead well. 
And Father, we pray that you would help us to be good shepherds, that we would um, imitate our Savior Jesus and shepherd well. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.